0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome to Special Edition. A weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications.
2: Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. It's hard to believe it's been eight years since the first renal race stepped off and actually started off as a walk in downtown Wilkes-Barre before the St. Patrick's Parade. A lot has happened in eight years, and Erin rebo Pico has been at the helm ever since the very beginning. It all started when her husband, Frank, was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Now, eight years later, he's doing well and can't believe how many people, not only locally, but so many other places that they have helped just by reaching out. And now their son Jackson is involved as well. Aaron and Jackson join us now to tell us about the upcoming Renal Race 8 as they continue the fight to kick kidney cancer. We're going to talk about the Renal Race that's happening this weekend in downtown Wilkesbury. Aaron, you are the lady in the know. Give us the details. When, where, all that kind of good stuff.
0: Very excited. This will be our 8th year of doing the Renal Race. Can't believe it. Um it happens downtown the day of the Wilkesbury St. Patrick's Day parade. Uh, registration starts at 8 a.m. at Jeanettes and the race kicks off at 10. We go back to Genetti's and we have a really good big party with a DJ and an open bar and lots of food and tux and champ and prizes and it's a really good fun day all right before the parade. Eight years why? Eight years yes my son um, (laughs) is being goofy my husband was diagnosed with um, kidney cancer in 2010 and we kind of Waited it out for a year or so and everything came back and I just decided that as, you know, just somebody being in the fight that it was too hard to just sit around and watch and watch parents be upset and children be upset and I just felt like we needed to do something to raise some kind of awareness and against my husband's will I started a a quick what I thought would be one time one mile walk and raised $20,000 in the first year. So we were able to donate a lot of money to families around uh, NEPA and also to Sloan Kettering, where they do most of the research for kidney cancer. And now we're moving on to year eight. And every year that we think, holy cow, like, are we going to do this again? More and more people ask, and more and more families are affected. And, you know, our son gets more involved, and his friends get more involved. And we just know we've created a really good legacy.
2: Well, let's bring Jackson right up there, because I, I have one big question to ask you. Is it fun? Yes. What's the best part that you like about it? To run it. Do you run? Yeah. Are you good? Yeah. The whole thing? Yep. Wow. Now you must you're you're here today because you want to get all the kids involved, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you tell them, Jackson. Tell them tell them to come out and race and bring their families and puppies and everybody.
3: Come out and run the race. Registration at eight
2: the race is at ten. Just please come. Perfect. Hey, how's your dad doing? Come on up here. How's dad? He's doing good. Yeah? Yeah. And you've been so you're you're what now? How old are you? Nine. So this race started the year before you were born. Yes. Do you remember being involved in the very beginning? Yes. I do too. I remember you being involved. You were just a little guy. You're yep. awesome now. Now he beats <laughs> dad every year.
0: Everybody, everybody's humbled as he passes them by.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron, let's talk a little bit about about your husband. How is he and how are things going?
0: He's doing really well. Um, we actually have an appointment not uh, coming up in April, but he's gone six months between appointments now, which is the longest that he has gone, and he's been in the clear the last couple. Um, his last surgery was... 2017 and uh, he's been doing really well since then so we can't complain he's feeling good and he actually did more work this year than ever before and I think that he really understands now like why it's so hard to do but (laughs) I think he's also really grateful that he sees why I was so stressed out for eight years (laughs) and and
2: what what a support team you have though
0: I do and I everyone says you're the person behind it but I'm not I have I'm so, so lucky to have friends and family that put up with me and my stress and me freaking out and calling them crying in the middle of the night when we need to get things done. So, and, you know, just the community itself has been amazing. They know what the cause is, but they support it every year. Our registration gets bigger and bigger, and we're just really excited that we get to keep going.
2: When we're talking about um, so many people involved, of course, the city of Wilkes-Barre, giving you a lot of support
0: they do i'm really really fortunate because they are like first on the bandwagon to call me and say hey you know we need to get your logo we have to get you on the poster for the parade and you know the police are so good with us we always have an ambulance there so many people donate time the police donate their time like they're just – everyone's so great, and, I mean, yesterday we had a police officer come into the salon just to give us a donation check. Like, we've just been really, really fortunate that everyone has embraced it, and people ask me, like, how did you get this going? And I wish that I had a magic, you know, s- s- system for everyone <laughs> that they could make their race this good. I just think that, you know, we've put our heart into it, and that's really – you know a lot of what it is and I, I hope that people see that and I think that you know uh, to, for the running company or the running community they tell us that we put on a good race so and having never been a runner prior to this for me it was like hey how do we get people to come and beer seemed like a good solution in the beginning
2: <laughs> <laughs> And now but, it's gotten but even for better. now it's
0: everything it's just everything for the kids and just being involved with the parade and it's really just become something that I don't know that we could ever not do just you know in our heart it's always there and for the community it's always there and you know, Jackson's really become a huge part of it, and his friends and family have become a huge part of it. So we're just lucky, and we'll just keep it going until.
2: And early. what happens when the when the uh, parade isn't going on, when the race isn't going on? You mentioned at your shop, mm-hmm. do you take donations, and where would that be throughout the year?
0: Yes, all year long, we have on our um, website, which is therenalrace.org. You can get us through Instagram, through Twitter, through um, Facebook. And then I have a hair salon union in Maine um, on the corner of Union in Maine and Wilkesbury, so people are constantly dropping off checks and baskets, and you know we try to do some like small fundraisers throughout the year, and you know just try to keep things going because you know we hear more and more stories all the time about people being affected by kidney cancer, and it's a really great feeling to be able to say, hey, I have this money that I can donate to you, and it's all because people believe and they keep on giving it to us, and we keep on hanging on to it, and. You know, it's it's been a really amazing thing to see people keep coming out. They come to the shop. They come to our house. They mail things in. They do the PayPal. Like, it really makes a huge difference. And it could be anywhere from a dollar to a million dollars, but it all matters because it
2: all adds up. All right. Once again, give us those details for the right before the race.
0: Uh, race is 8 a.m. registration at Genetti's 10 a.m. start uh, big party afterwards inside of Genetti's as well you can get us um, on Instagram on Twitter on Facebook and at the renal race.org
2: yeah so sign up at at 10. Bring Jackson back up here and can we have a mom and a Jackson say come on out come Come on on out.
0: out
2: perfect
0: Registration at Genetti's, 10 a.m. start, uh, big party afterwards inside of Genetis as well. You can get us um, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and at therenalrace.org.
2: Um, yeah, so sign up, Jackson, at, sign up at 10. Bring Jackson back up here, and can we have a mom and a Jackson say, come on out? Ready? Come, come on, on out. out. Perfect. We continue to wish the best to the Pecals, not only with the success of Renal Race 8, but also in helping themselves and others in the fight to kick kidney cancer. Now coming up, speaking of health... Three hospitals in the 20th Senatorial District were chosen this week to participate in the Pennsylvania Rural Health Model. They're among five hospitals statewide selected for the program. Senator Lisa Baker, who is a Republican in the 20th District, welcomed the news and thanked all those involved from the federal, state, and local level for having the vision to see that this Was the best prescription for many rural
4: health centers. Thank you, Secretary Levine. Um, I have enjoyed working with you and your predecessor, Dr. Karen Murphy, Deputy Secretary Lauren Hughes, and the entire Wolf administration on this initiative. It's crystal clear to me after hearing the remarks of our other speakers from HAP and um, Andy Carter. Thank you for your leadership working with us. This initiative, I believe, promises to be a real lifesaver, a lifesaver for our rural hospitals and the people that they serve. As you've heard before, access to affordable, quality health care is both a quality of life and an economic issue. The problems frequently debated in healthcare, attracting and retaining qualified medical professionals, modernizing facilities, and acquiring life-saving technology, coping with often insufficient reimbursement rates, all are especially acute in our small communities and rural areas. All you have to do is ask Sarah Adornado from Barnes-Kaysen, who is here, Lauren Stone from Endless Mountains Health System, and Dave Hoff from Wayne Memorial Hospital. It's incredibly challenging for them to be an administrator of a small hospital or health clinic. And each of these individuals are serving members of the community that I represent. I'm honored to be sponsoring the legislation in the Senate with my friend and colleague, Senator or Representative Tina Pickett, because both of us know that addressing the problems facing rural hospitals and healthcare facilities has to be of high urgency, because there are not a lot, a lot of options when you look around the neighborhood. For good reasons, these hospitals are designated critical access, or acute care facilities. The economics and the economies of scale rarely, rarely work in their favor. Although their emergency rooms do not see the heavy traffic that you expect in an urban area, they still have to be prepared for all contingencies. Meanwhile, government piles on requirements while squeezing tighter reimbursements. When a facility closes, it is catastrophic for our communities. One of the painful lessons we learned since the medical malpractice crisis is that practitioners who do depart and facilities that close rarely, rarely return to service or operation. All you have to do is look at people in my area who must now travel an hour for maternity care. So they are certainly familiar with that. I have the permission of Lauren Stone, who is behind me, to mention that when he and his wife were expecting their daughter, he had to drive an hour, an hour to the closest maternity ward in our region, and he said it was the longest and scariest drive of his life. We want to make sure we understand that. What is catastrophic? that could happen in our rural communities. So for me, it is so encouraging the amount of collaboration Secretary Levine and the Department of Health has done to position us for this participation in a rural health model. To their credit, to their credit and to the administration's credit, they are showing us a sign that we are moving away from we're here to regulate and mandate to one of we are here to assist and enable. The overall plan and timeline are well conceived. Without question, local health leaders are awaiting, and I've heard from many of them, this important rollout. So when time and resources are not so extensively focused, as you heard earlier, on keeping doors open and the lights on, it creates the opportunity to intensify and expand efforts at the community health and wellness outreach. We know getting people healthy keeps them out of the hospital. So this is really a lifeline effort to attend to the long-term health of these crucial medical facilities in an area that I represent and similar areas around the state. This event is a testament that key players are not only committed to seeing this through, but to a successful implementation and a sustainable operation of all of these facilities for the years to come.
2: Senator Lisa Baker, Republican in the 20th Senatorial District, where this week three hospitals in that district were selected to participate in the Pennsylvania Rural Health Model. The senator introduced legislation that would create the Rural Health Design Center to develop a more predictable payment plan and create a fixed budget to stabilize reimbursements. It would be funded by a $25 million grant from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation as well as funds from private sources moving forward. Senate Bill 314 is currently in the Senate's Health and Human Services Committee. Now don't go away. There's more special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. If you love pasta and like helping veterans, do we have something to tell you about coming at the end of March. Ryan Pollack is the Program Supervisor for St. Francis Commons in Scranton. Nancy Fahey is the Manager of Community Outreach for AmeriHealth Caritas Northeast. They're here to talk about an upcoming fundraiser. It's a Veterans Pasta Dinner Benefit. All the proceeds benefit St. Francis Commons in Scranton. They help homeless veterans. You can help out. Here come the details. A very special event that's coming up at the end of this month, and it is involving food, so... I think I just heard a lot of people turn up their radios for that, and uh, we're going to tell you about a Veterans Pasta Dinner Benefit, and it is AmeriHealth that is presenting the whole extravaganza, and it's going to benefit St. Francis Commons in Scranton. So we're going to introduce you to Ryan Pollack and Nancy Fahey. Ryan, you are with St. Francis Commons in Scranton. Now... Can you give our listeners a little bit of background on that?
1: Certainly. St. Francis Commons is a program of Catholic Social Services. We previ- we're a 30-unit facility for homeless, disabled veterans. Uh, what we do is we receive referrals from the wooksbury VA Medical Center for any veteran that is homeless and generally disabled. We bring that veteran in. We do an assessment with them. We determine what their strengths and barriers are with the overall goal being that when they leave our facility, whether it be six months, nine months, a year that they secure permanent housing and that they leave in a better condition both physically, mentally, emotionally than when they came.
2: So how long have you been in existence in Scranton?
1: So we've been operating this program actually for 29 years. Uh, We're in our current location five years this May, right around Memorial Day. We have a state-of-the-art facility on Penn Avenue right next to the St. Francis of Assisi Soup Kitchen. Um, It's beautiful. We have recreational um, opportunities right on site we have two full kitchens we have laundry we ha- e- each veteran has their own bathroom and their own bedroom and bathroom and then there's also community space like kitchens dining rooms that they share uh, right on site
2: how did all this come about 29 years ago
1: so i have to give uh, thanks to our executive director stephen ascilla who kind of um, started a lot of the programs that we have today starting 29 years ago it was a grant that was written um, which is it's Back 29 years ago, it was a very comparison to what it is now. Now we have 30 units. I believe 29 years ago, there was four units. Wow. So it's grown significantly since then. The need has grown. We have veterans that are everywhere from in their late 20s, Iraqi freedom veterans, right up to Korean veterans in their 80s. Um, and we partner with the Wokesbury VA Medical Center. Uh, we work very closely with them, both with funding and with services. And, uh, yeah, our facility that we're in now for five years is just beautiful. Um, it's uh, much more elaborate, has much more amenities than our old building on Olive Street has. And, uh, you know, we're really proud of what we're doing.
2: Wow, that's a lot from four twenty-nine. but then again, we're talking 29 years ago and now 30. And when someone comes to your facility, Ryan, um, they're coming for the first time and they have been homeless?
1: Generally, they're referred uh, by either either one of our local shelters or the wilkes VA Medical Center because they're homeless. Also, like I mentioned, they usually have an accompanying disability, whether it be physical. We have a lot of veterans with mental illness related to combat and some mental illness that's not related to combat. Substance abuse issues are fairly common. So when they come, we like to do a thorough assessment with them to see where they're at, what their strengths are, what their barriers are that are prohibiting them from securing housing, what led them to homelessness. And then we do an individualized action plan with each veteran, because each veteran's story is unique. The reason why they come to us is they're homeless, but why they're homeless is unique. So we like to look at what services they need, what's available. We make the referral. We follow up on the referral and then we see it through until the treatment is hopefully completed prior to them leaving or when they leave they're still obviously involved in treatment of some extent. We look to increase their income, we look to improve their physical health, like I said, their mental health. If they're job ready, we get we have a vocational coach that comes on site every week. We have a licensed psychologist on site with us, so we do referrals to the VA, but we also provide counseling right on site, which is, you know, a great benefit, you know, that we have and we're grateful for. Um, so you know, it's a holistic approach. We don't just look at income. We don't just look at health. We look at everything: family relationships. Like I said, vocational. Uh, some veterans go back to school when they come with us, now that they have a stable nighttime residence. Um, so each case is unique, but the overall goal, of course, for every veteran is to leave with permanent, suitable, sustainable housing.
2: That's wonderful, and. You must get a lot of support from the community.
1: We do. When it comes to veterans, of course, everybody wants to help, and we appreciate that. Uh, Anyone that wants to reach out, if they're interested in donating their time or donating, um, you know, any type of materials um, that we can use, you can contact us at 570-209-9200. The community is fantastic. They're always reaching out. They donate meals. They donate items like hygiene products, towels, sheets that we use on a regular basis, um, so, you know, sometimes they donate monetary, which is great as well. There are a lot of expenses that go with it. We drive the veterans to the VA every day, you know, and that gets costly with our agency vehicle and, you know, food-wise and things of that nature. You know, we do have a budget that we that we go by. But, um, you know, right now we have 30 veterans, which is capacity, which isn't, uh, generally speaking, we don't always, we're not always at capacity, but it is winter and the need is there. So the costs add up. But, you know, we're doing okay. The community takes very good care of us. And, you know, we do receive funding through the wilkes VA Medical Center as well. So, um, but if anybody would like to contact us, you you know, our phone lines are always open.
2: And you brought some of the community with you today. Nancy Fahey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Wonderful. Now, you are with AmeriHealth. Tell us about that.
5: Correct. AmeriHealth is a Medicaid-only managed care plan here in northeastern Pennsylvania, and we really believe in building healthy communities. Um, we partner with different providers in the area that are a part of our network, and we also partner with social service agencies to try to build a healthier community. And we do that in ways such as this benefit. We also provide community gardens at some locations. Um, we do screening events with our providers in order to make sure that our, our members are as
2: healthy as they can be. So that's how you got involved with Ryan. And the group over at St. Francis Commons, what do you have coming up that's going to help them? So
5: we are doing a benefit on Sunday, March 31st at Mount Carmel Center Parish Center in Pittston on William Street. Um, It is going to be from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. We have great entertainment from Flatland Ruckus. He is a country band here in northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, we also ha- are going to have a wine sale there from Mucholo Family Wines, and um, they're going to be donating a large percentage of the sales that day back to the shelter as well. That sounds like it's going to be a big event. We are hoping. Um, we're we're really looking for ticket sales at this point in time. Um, we have a ton of raffle items that have been donated. As Ryan had said, people really step up when it comes to Veterans. Um, we have a four-day, three-night package in Erie um, that we're going to be raffling off. That includes Ooh. the hotel stay, some gift certificates to restaurants, and some experiences like sporting teams and zoo passes.
2: Nice.
5: Um, people often say to me, "What's in Erie?" They have um, <laughs> Presque Isle, which is a um, there. It's their state park, and there's ten or twelve beaches there that have beach volleyball. There's a walking trail. You can rent kayaks. Um, they have those big bikes with the tires on them that you can take on the wire water um, of course there's Lake Erie which there's provides for boating experiences as I said there's a zoo and there's a wine trail that starts in the city of Northeast Pennsylvania which is just outside of Erie that extends up into New York State Ooh. so there is so much stuff to do in Erie that that is one of the reasons <laughs> that we chose the destination it's a little bit different um, yeah. and it will really provide a um, hopefully some some great um, interest from the community to be able to visit a new location.
2: Well, especially since it's since you're going to be visiting and it won't be winter.
5: Yes. Because you mentioned right.
2: beach, so that, that is a big plus. Yes. <laughs> now, you're having a pasta dinner.
5: Yes. Um, the pasta dinner will be served from 12 to 3 p.m. We will have takeouts from 11 to 12 that day. Um Tickets are $12 each, and they are available at three locations in the Pittston area. Um, The first one is at Mucholo Family Wines, which is on Main Street in Old Forge. Um, Vintage Vogue, which is a consignment shop on Main Street in Pittston. And Hot Heads by Michelle, which is a uh, salon that is on Exeter Avenue in West Pittston.
2: Now, if someone wants to get tickets the day of... Can we do
5: that? Provided they are not sold out. I'm really hoping for a sellout, of course, because as I said, this this benefits the vet- veterans. And who wouldn't want to participate in that with all the great raffle prices that we have?
2: So are the raffle prices included in the price of admission? Uh, the
5: tickets for raffles will be will be additional. We have a $2,500 camera DVR system that has been donated by Building Systems Integrators. We have a mink stole that's been donated by Vintage Vogue. And we also are going to have a one-night stay in Hershey that's going to include four tickets to the Antique Auto Museum. So I'm really excited about a lot of these raffle prizes. And we also have a lot of baskets and experiences here in northeastern Pennsylvania that have also been donated, such as Revolution Ice Center, um, Sky Zone Jump Park, gift certificates to very restaurants in the area. So we have a lot of great items those, that are going to be available.
2: Those are amazing. Ryan and I are already going. I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we we already have our tickets. We want to win some of these things. That sounds amazing. So your group that you are with, is it the company or is it a group within your company that has that is uh, getting involved in these type of things?
5: So it is the company itself, and we have a group within the company called Care Crew, and um, we go out and, and volunteer at different projects. Um, Last year, we packed senior food boxes for the Commission on Economic Opportunity, just as an example. Um, We decided we wanted to take on something a little bit larger this year. um, And this just exploded into what it has become. We never dreamed that it would be this big with this many raffle prizes and entertainment and wine sales. And we're all really excited and amazed by by everybody that stepped up. And we've got some student volunteers that are going to be coming from the school district so they can get their community hours. So we're really hoping for a great turnout from the community.
2: That sounds wonderful. Ryan, I'm going to ask you very quickly while we're talking about volunteers, do you take volunteers?
1: We do take volunteers. Anybody that's interested, they could certainly contact us at the the number that I left. For a wide array of things our soup kitchen next door st francis kitchen uses more volunteers than us just because of what they do the amount of meals that they provide per day to not only veterans but um, low-income and uh, homeless civilians as well Uh, our agency is always in need if anybody's interested they can reach out and no amount is too little anybody that wants to uh, volunteer a couple hours on a saturday we have a lot of things that you know we could always use assistance with and uh, we certainly appreciate any volunteers that's, that come forward.
2: And again, it's St. Francis Commons.
1: St. Francis Commons, 504 Penn Avenue, uh, 570-209-9200. Somebody's always there. We're staffed 24-7. Um, you know, So anybody that wants to reach out, we would very much appreciate it.
2: Leave a message. Nancy, I'm going to give it to you now. You do it. Let's get this sold out. We are hoping the community
5: steps up and comes out and celebrates this great cause with us. Tickets are $12 each. The benefit will be Sunday, March 31st from 12 to 3 p.m. The tickets are available at three locations. Mucholo Wine and Old Forge, Vintage Vogue in Pittston, Hot Heads by Michelle in West Pittston. Or you can call me and leave a message at 570-212-1984. And I would be glad to meet anybody with tickets that would be interested to come out and support this great cause. Takeouts available.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, And if you, if there are tickets left, there are some at the door.
5: If there are tickets left, there will, they will be available at the door. We do have a Facebook event created, so you can track all the prizes, all the donations that I've gotten for the raffle. If you go out and look for Veterans Pasta Dinner Benefit, um, we have a page. And on that page, we have the event created. I have posted almost all of the donations we've gotten from the community thus far. So if anybody's interested to take a look at what else might be available that I haven't mentioned, they are all out there. Date. March 31st, Sunday at Mount Carmel Parish Center in Pittston on William Street. How much? $12 per person. When do you get your tickets? You can get your tickets now at one of three locations, or you can call me at 570-212-1984.
2: Thanks again to Nancy and Ryan for joining us on Special Edition to tell us about the Veterans Pasta Dinner Benefit that is coming up Sunday, March 31st at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish Center, William Street in Pittston. Coming up next, if you're looking for someone to share a special day out with, we'll tell you where you can find them. More Special Edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. Our guests today are Ashley Wolo and Jeff Pollanen. They're from the Griffin Pond Animal Shelter. They have a new program to tell us about. Ashley, it's very nice to meet you, and you're brand new. I are you, am. Are you brand new to the area or just to Griffin Pond?
3: Um. Well, I'm brand new to the position. I've been with Griffin Pond for about three years. I started off as a kennel attendant, and I slowly made my way up the ladder.
2: A kennel attendant. Yeah. Wow.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've I've experienced everything in the shelter.
2: When we're talking about Griffin Pond, it's been around for a long time. Very long time. Yes. And a lot of changes.
3: Mm-hmm. Changes. Changes will always happen in the shelter world. That's for sure
2: especially when it comes to animals coming in, animals yep. coming out. So besides being a uh, kennel attendant, what else is your background?
3: I've uh, actually been in the foster coordinator position. I've done adoptions. Um, I've worked with other rescues before. I've I've been working with animals for probably about 10 years now. I wouldn't want to do anything else. It's absolutely amazing. There's always something new going on. Every animal that you interact with has a different personality, so that's one of my favorite parts about working with them. I've experienced a lot in the animal world, and I love it. Absolutely love
2: it. So now I have to ask, yes. how many do you own?
3: Oh, I don't know <laughs> if I can say that. I have a few dogs. A few? <laughs> They're all small, though, so I guess if you put them all together, it would make like one or two big dogs. But I have a few dogs, and I have two cats, five dogs, five dogs, two cats. You have to You have to limit yourself at some point.
2: <laughs> and that, that brings me to one of the big questions that people always ask about adopting. Yes how do you make a decision when someone comes in and you know you have so many animals and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about uh, the, so the need for so many homes but you don't just want to say okay here you
3: go right so um we have an adoption process and our adoptions team and our kennel attendants they take the time to get to know the animals, um, which is a really good thing, because then it helps us place the animals in the right home. So, for example, say we have a dog that isn't good with kids. We obviously, we're not going to send that dog home to a home with kids. So getting to know the animals um, definitely helps with placement. And, of course, we'll talk about the Doggy Day Out program, but that's that's a huge help um, up at the shelter. So, yeah, we, we definitely take the time to learn the animal's personalities, and then we go through our adoption process, and then we place the animals in the best home.
2: And, again, you have a responsibility mm-hmm. to the animal, yep. to the potential adopter, to the community. Yes, I come in and I say, well, Ashley, just because the, this dog doesn't like kids now, I know I can change that. It's
3: tough. It it is tough. It is tough because having an animal in a shelter environment, of course we don't know the full personality. And that's where the Doggy Day Out program comes in. We do everything that we can, I should say, to learn the personalities inside the shelter. We don't always know the background, but if, let's say you have kids and you want to adopt a dog and we might not be sure if the dog's okay with kids. We'll always do a meet and greet beforehand so we could see how the dog interacts with your child. And if it turns out to be a good thing, then great. You are you can take the dog home.
2: <laughs> and that's that's kind of the same thing too when you say that if you already own a pet, mm-hmm. you should bring the pet.
3: Exactly. If you have another animal at home, if you have another dog and you're you're looking to add another dog to the home, we'll always do a meet and greet beforehand because we want to make sure that the dogs get along. Of course, we don't just want to ship the animal outside of the shelter without knowing for sure.
2: Right. And that's tough. Yeah,
3: that. it is It is tough. But you know, that's why we're there. We take the time, we learn the animals and we go through the rest of the process. We, we follow through with it. And we always like to tell the community that even if something might work out at the shelter, you take the animal home we're still there. We're still a phone call away. Don't just want to give you the animal and then say our goodbyes. We want updates. We want to help you through the process. If there is a process, we just, we always want to be there. We're always a phone call away and we want the
2: public to know that. A lot of times too, especially in the shelter situation, you're dealing with animals who are brought in And they you don't know their background, right? Yeah. So is there? uh, How does that work for someone who maybe loses a pet? And they wonder, you know, well, how long? What if they pick up my my dog? What if they pick up my cat? Is there a period of time that you are obligated to hold that pet to see if someone claims them?
3: Yes. So legally, we are to hold an, a stray animal that comes into um, our care for 48 hours. After that, the animal goes up for adoption. It will it could get transferred to another rescue, um, but legally we hold them for 48 hours. In that 48 hours, it gives us a chance to begin learning the personalities of the animal. So um, upon intake, we can see if they have any personality quirks, how they do on a leash, for example, just those basic things to learn about a new animal even same with cats we'll learn if they like to be picked up or if they like to be held or or if they just like to be left alone <laughs>
2: And if they get along with dogs or other cats. (laughs) Exactly,
3: exactly. So we we sometimes learn those things in the first couple of days. Sometimes it takes even longer. We've had some animals in our care for a few months, and we're just learning new personality traits about them that
2: we didn't know before. Well, and again, they adapt to their environment, so things can change then. Exactly, When they go where you have animals that come in who have never been on a leash, Mm -hmm. who have never gone to the bathroom other than on a congregate. Concrete floor. Right. I mean, break your heart, but you have to talk to people about those things because you have to have patience.
3: Right, exactly. Patience and training. That's a big thing. That's what we always tell our adopters because even when an adopter comes in to adopt one of our animals, we can't say for sure how they're going to act in a new environment. You know, even if we know their background. They're going into a new environment. They're leaving the shelter and they're going into a new home. So we can't say for sure how it's going to work out, but we're going to be there to give you tips, to walk you through anything that you might experience and to help you in any way that we can.
2: No matter what, you have the animals and the potential adopters best interest at heart. Yes, we do. Sometimes people may not agree, Mm -hmm. but that's the way it is. That's why we're here. You mentioned a program. What is this called? It's called the Doggy Day Out Program. A Doggy Day Out. Yes. Now, to me, that means spa. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if Hey, if you want to take the dogs to the spa, that, that's perfectly fine. Um, the way the program works is you'll put in an application, and we select the dogs that we feel will d- do good I guess you can say on a doggy day out so you can arrange a time to come and pick up one of our dogs and you can just take them out for the day you can take them for a car ride you can take them to the park just to it, it helps the shelter learn their personalities outside of the shelter so it's a really great program it just started we've already had a few dogs uh, participate in this program and it's been a success so far so so far so
2: good all right well you brought this young man with you here and yes. I from what I understand Jeff, you have been involved. You you brought Doggy Day Out. Is that correct?
6: Yeah, I actually started it recently.
2: How does all this work? Now, Ashley gave us a little bit of an overview, but if you're if you're the one who's in charge and I come up to the shelter and I say, "Jeff, I heard you on the radio and I want to do Doggy Day Out." What are you going to tell me first?
6: First step is to go on our website and fill out a short application on there. It's basically just background info on you, where you plan on taking the dog and what your plan for the day is. I mean, sending these dogs out, we always want to know where they're going and what what you plan on doing with them because we don't want them being in any dangerous situations where they may be injured or injure somebody else or something like that. So first step is to get that application submitted so I can take a look at that. Once that's approved, um, I'll give you an email just saying, hey, you're approved, and we'll try to schedule a day that you can take a dog out.
2: So do I get to come up and pick out the dog or do you have to decide what works well for me?
6: Usually I'll give a couple choices. Um, Knowing the personalities of the dog is kind of important. There may be a dog you want to take out, but that dog may be too powerful for you to walk on a leash. It may not be good with children who are on your day out with you. So, I mean, I do have to take personality of the dog into account when giving you that dog. So you may not have your first choice, but I usually try to give one or two options.
2: All right. Now... This sounds like a rather ambitious idea because I give you all my information. Do you keep my driver's license or do you just trust me that I'm going to bring this dog back?
6: Well, on the application, you actually write down your driver's license number. And then when you come to pick up the dog, we actually make a copy of your license. And there's a a little waiver you sign and everything like that. We keep that on file. And there's a certain time you have to have the dog back, by. you have to have it back by three o'clock every day so that we know ahead of time um, when the dog will be coming back. And like I said, we always know where you're going. We have cell phone numbers and things like that. So, I mean, it it does take some trust from us that you are going to bring the dog back. But we do our best to make sure that the people taking the dog have good intentions.
2: What if something happens?
6: I mean, there's always that what if. Um, We give our our volunteers, all the information we can on what not to do with the dog. There are some guidelines on our website that you can check out where you're not allowed to take the dog, such as dog parks, having the dog off leash, having the dog around other animals. So there are guidelines you have to follow to keep the dog and people safe out there. But I mean, there's always the what if. We just want to see these dogs get some time out of the shelter and try to get a little bit of more freedom than we can provide on a daily basis.
2: Okay. So now you've had a dog or two who have gone out. Yeah. Do they end up getting their forever home?
6: A couple have so far, um, but not everyone. I mean, a lot of the people that are volunteering, the, the purpose of the program is to get the dogs out and have them have some time outside of the shelter more than usual. It's not necessarily a program for people to, come up and try to spend more time with an animal that they're interested in adopting. I mean, that's great if they want to, that's fantastic, but it's more a program just to get the dogs out and get them more enrichment outside of the shelter environment and to learn about them as Ashley said, because when people take these dogs out for the day, we learn so much more than we can learn on their two walks a day that they get. We learn if they're good in a car, we get, we learn how they are walking by people on a, in a, on a trail, in a park, how they react to other dogs outside of the shelter because they may, Bark at other dogs in their kennels, but outside the shelter, they may be totally fine and passive with dogs. So we'd get to learn how their personality would be outside the shelter.
2: So when they leave, are they already – because, again, one of the things that you would have to worry about as a responsible dog owner or a dog borrower in this case um, or a dog wannabe owner – Do the dogs go out with their shots and they have all that kind of stuff taken Mm -hmm. care of?
6: Yeah, every dog that goes on a doggy day out, or any dog that's at any of our adoption events outside the shelter is fully vaccinated already. So they're totally up to date on everything.
2: Wow that sounds like a great idea.
6: Yeah it's going well so far.
2: Now Ashley I I'm, I'm going to ask you now because we're you know we're talking about all these things and of course there are all these legal ramifications of things that you have to think about but Jeff did also mention the um, other adoption events. Do you find that they actually work? Oh, the adoption
3: events there. That's actually probably my favorite part about the shelter. They will never get old um, because there's always something different. You always meet new people. You get to interact with new people. And I love taking the, the dogs and the cats to the adoption events. I definitely think that they help us tremendously. I've been to so many adoption events over the last few years. And the turnaround rate um, for the animals getting adopted is fantastic. For example, like the parades, the the Christmas parade, the St. Patrick's Day parade, even those are amazing. And that's really? not even a, an adoption event. That's just a, a parade that we participate in. We get to uh, take the animals out and let them interact with people. And before you know it before we even get back to the shelter there's people calling us and asking us about these dogs and these cats and it's fantastic it's a great turnout all the time i've never i i definitely cannot turn down the adoption events as far as uh whether or not they're a good turnout for the animals because they are parades i
2: think, I think they're walking past and you don't even get to see anybody no you do <laughs> i mean you have those
3: little the the little increments in the parade where you get to stop and, and people get to actually see the animals. And I've had people run up to me before and say, hey, what's that dog's name? Like, can I pet it? This and that. And like I said, it's it's always been amazing. And it's so much fun because it, it's amazing to see how excited people get. They get as excited as we do because we want these animals to go home just as bad as everybody else does. So how does it happen
2: now that you're over capacity?
3: I guess that's just the animal world. I, we've adopted out over... 160 animals in the last two months but we're still operating over capacity. I don't think that'll ever change in the animal world whether it's stray animals coming in which is what we see the most or people just finding themselves in a tough situation where they have to surrender surrender their animal. It's just that's the animal world. I, I guess there's really nothing you can say to it. it. One of the biggest things that we always promote and push is, is spaying and neutering your animals. If you run into a sticky situation and you find yourself uh, having to surrender your animal, you can always even give us a call and we'll try to provide you with other options before surrendering your animal because that's something that we don't like to see. We want to see the animal stay in the home that they're in. I'll give another example. Let's say your cat starts going to the bathroom outside of the litter box. We can provide you with so many different options um, as far as what you can do before surrendering your cat. And and that's what we're here for. We don't want to take your animals. We want them to stay in the home that they're in because that's what they know. And and it's sad when they come into the shelter because it's a whole new life. It's a whole new environment. And they might acclimate themselves, but it's no home for an animal. Mm-hmm. The shelter is not a home for an animal. It, it's just like a temporary placement. Like I said, if, if anybody runs into a situation, we'll help them out through anything. But of course, we want to be there to help. And uh, the stray animals that come in, like I said, we see those the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, you, if you're if you ever missing a pet, if one of your animals goes, goes missing, you can call up to our shelter. You can put in a loss and found report. You can post pictures up. You can send us messages on Facebook. You can check our website. You can check other Facebook groups. Um, as soon as a stray animal comes in, we post those pictures everywhere. Because like I said, we don't want to keep those animals. We want them to go to their homes.
2: How important is a microchip?
3: Oh, I can't fathom how important microchipping is, whether it's a cat or a dog or even a a bunny like if you even have a rabbit at home microchips are so important because you never know when your animal is is going to be an escape artist and and exit out of your home and who knows where they they could end up they might not even end up at our shelter they might end up at a vet they might end up at a police station they might end up with somebody who just saw them running around on the streets you just you never know so having a microchip is extremely important because as soon as that animal gets scanned which almost every place does that now, mm-hmm. your information will come up just by finding that number that's in the back of the animal's neck. And we'll, we're able to contact you then. So it's it's super cheap. It's definitely helpful. And if you're looking to get your animal microchipped, we can even help you with that. Um, so you can even call up the shelter. We can help you get your animal microchipped. And there's
2: one burden off your back. And we've talked about cats and dogs. But what about the rest? You have you mentioned bunnies. It's it's not like it's not like your cat dog specific. I mean,
3: we've seen pigs, we've seen farm animals, we've seen uh, small animals, we've seen reptiles, we've seen it all. Um, they don't normally stay at the shelter as long as the cats and dogs do. Well, right now we have three rats, and that's the only other type of animal that we have besides a, co- a cat and a dog. But we see, we see them all. You just have to check our website or call us if you're looking for something specific. But, yeah, we, we definitely see them all.
2: So, Jeff, let me ask you real quick here now. We've talked about doggy day out. Is it possible this is going to expand?
6: I mean, we're going to have to see it's still kind of in its infancy as far as the program goes. I'm hoping that it would expand. I've seen other shelters do these types of programs, and they are super successful, and they have dogs going out every day for these types of things. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully it does go big. To cats? Maybe. We'll see. Maybe those
2: three rats?
6: (laughs) Hopefully they find a home before that.
2: (laughs) Well, that would be wonderful. Ashley, I'm going to bring you back one more time. Anything that you would like to add about Griffin Pond that you... Who, who are now the new executive director up there, want our audience to know?
3: Griffin Pond has definitely changed um, over the last year. We're in a really good position, and our goal is to just keep moving forward. We're here to help the public and to help the animals in our care um, and even help the animals that aren't in our care. Uh, we're there for the community, and we're there for the animals. I definitely encourage the public to come up, check us out, check out our website. It's a brand new website. There's always things going on. If you're looking to volunteer, you can always come up, volunteer. There's so many different ways to volunteer. If you want to donate some of your time, we definitely have lots to do, and there are a lot of new things going on, and we're just very excited about it all. So we encourage everybody to come up and check us out.
1: Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications.